Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Crooked Illness. If you are new here, my name is Paris Brinkevich, and I am the creator and host of the Crooked Illness podcast, where we get into all things health-related. The primary focus of the podcast within the umbrella of health-related topics is mental health and mindset. I began Crooked Illness as a way to motivate, inspire, empower, and educate people on these interesting topics. My background and passion for starting Crooked Illness stems from the field of psychology. After completing both my BA in psychology and MBA in healthcare administration, my passion for mental health only continued to grow. As a result of this, I decided to start Crooked Illness to bring more awareness, tips, and conversations to the table about these topics. I offer my perspective on the work I've done and how it inspired me to begin this podcast. Along with this perspective, I also speak about my personal experience with mental health and how I use those experiences to help educate, inspire, and motivate others. I really enjoy doing interviews and connecting with people who also love to discuss and learn more about mental health. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or to my email of crookedillness at gmail.com. Hello, you guys. Hello, hello, hello. I am super excited about the conversation you guys are about to hear between myself and this week's guest. We are going to be talking about what it means to live intentionally, as you guys can see from the title of this episode. And the majority of the conversation is going to be circulated around topics and concepts from my guest's book that he wrote. And another big thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about before the episode is this guest that I'm going to have on has actually been extremely helpful to me in an area of my life, a goal that I have for myself, which is to publish my book, Crooked Illness. And he's helped me with steps in doing that. He's helped me in, and a lot of the conversation that we're going to have is around being present and working towards goals that you have for yourself, things that you're working on, things that you like, things that you enjoy, and how to go about doing that in a way that focuses on the present moment we're in right now and being grounded. And that is something that I have struggled with for the longest time because some of you guys know that I've been working on this book, this book, Crooked Illness, for a while. And I've been working on it even before I launched this podcast. So my conversation with this guest today, I'm going to reveal to you guys the things that he did to really help me through some of the things that I have been struggling with in terms of getting that book completed, getting it organized, getting it together and everything like that. Along with that, our conversation is going to feature so many awesome tips and takeaways and advice from him on the things that he talks about in his book and how they're so relatable because the topics are related to areas of our lives, such as family, friends, relationships, finances, things like that. And also he makes a relationship between those aspects and aspects of school. And I really like that because all of us can remember you know, back to, you know, when, when we were in school and whether we liked it or not, 
just how it felt when you know you were you were receiving your report card you were trying to figure out what to do what major to do what subjects you like or what you enjoy and how does that stuff relate to areas of life and he makes a really awesome comparison through the messages in his book and we're going to be getting into that conversation so i just wanted to share with you guys some of the things that we're going to be getting into today and i really hope that you enjoy this episode Hello guys, and welcome back to another episode of Crooked Illness. Today's episode will be a fascinating conversation between my guest, Sean Rosensteel, and I. Sean is the author of the number one Amazon bestselling book, The School of Intentional Living, and the founder of the Intentional Living Academy. He also hosts the authorized podcast where he allows authors to reveal their insights, stories, and best lessons from the works they created. So without further ado, welcome Sean to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Paris. This is going to be fun. Yes, of course. Super excited to have this conversation with you. So if you could tell us about where, where did the inspiration come from behind your book, The School of Intentional Living, A Real World Approach to Living Life on Your Own Terms? Sure. So I've been an avid reader mm -hmm. for many, many years. I was a horrible student in school, but once I got into the real world, I started appreciating learning because I could actually learn things that were relevant to my life. Mm. So I started reading a lot of books and, um, you know, across the genres of spirituality and personal development and psychology, entrepreneurship. And I always appreciated and really admired these authors for their ability to organize and clarify their thoughts into the written word, their courage to publish their work and uh, expose themselves to criticism and a few years back it was recommended to me by a few clients i was working with that hey you should write a book about this topic this topic of intentional living and that was a little daunting to me at the time i you know didn't think i was capable of of ever writing a book but now that i've kind of been through the process a lot of my mentors used to tell me hey you know if you're an avid reader you know how to write mm. you know if you if you read a lot you know what good writing looks like and you're ready to write a book if you're that into reading so that gave me a little bit of a confidence boost but late last year i sat on this idea paris for quite a few years as much as i'm embarrassed to admit but then finally late last year I, this idea hit me as far as like how can i enter this subject of intentional living because i think there's a lot of misconceptions out there about purpose and intentional living and what that means to all of us. And I finally had an idea that gave me just the right entry point to make it, I think, highly relevant and, and very, very relatable to a lot of readers. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the, the, the tipping point for me was this idea. And uh, off I went and then decided to write, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, which was interesting. Wow. So. wow. Yeah. Because I know you mentioned to me the comparison in your book that you make between life and school. So can you talk about that comparison and what does that mean for living an intentional life? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I have this belief that in our final moments, many of us will wonder if we passed or failed at this beautiful thing we call life, right? Mm -hmm. And while I believe that life is a gift, I also believe that life can be a test. And as you know, after reading my book, um, I went bankrupt in my late 20s 
it was one month, one month before my wedding. So it was a very interesting period of, of time in my life. And for the first time, I actually paused and, and took a step back a little bit and reflected upon where I had been, the choices I had made leading up to this pivotal moment. And I recognized that, wow, I'm a real failure. <laughs> you know, I, I really good, did a good job of screwing my life up. And while I was financially bankrupt, I had a bit of a wake-up call. I was physically bankrupt. I was emotionally, mentally bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt. I was a real mess. Mm. Still am certain days. <laughs> right? I right? still can be a real mess. We all can be. But uh, it was a real wake-up call for me. And I think that's what this pandemic has been doing for a lot of people is kind of mm -hmm. shifting them out of just going through the motions and helping people to kind of climb the tree and, you know, look out and say, what, what, what's coming? And is this what I really want out of my life? So when that happened, I had the gift of necessity. I was about to be responsible for another human being mm -hmm. in 30 days after I went bankrupt officially. And, um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't live a careless life. I could no longer be complacent. I could no longer live unintentionally. And a real turning point, real pivotal moment was when I picked up the phone to call my parents and share the news with them because they had lent me some money shortly after I graduated when I got into the real world to get on my own two feet. They lent me some money and my attorney, when we were finalizing the paperwork, encouraged me to disclose all of my debt. So not just the mortgages, not just the bank, not just the car loans, not just the credit cards and all that, but even the debt that I had owed my parents. And so I went along with it, not really thinking much of it. And then I had this realization when I was sitting in my car about 10 minutes after I finalized the paperwork, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, my mom is going to walk to that mailbox of hers and I could picture it in my head mm. and she's going to get this letter from the federal government. She's going to wonder if it's a scam. What is this? And that letter is going to, you know, basically tell her and my father that I had discharged the debt I had owed to them in a federal court of law. Mm. So I figured I better give them a heads up. <clears throat> so I made the call and um, they have always been very supportive of me. Uh, they've always been very patient with me. They've given me, I've been so blessed. They've given me their unconditional love my whole life. And they were disappointed and they were a bit shocked, but I'll never forget. My dad said, Sean, no one is responsible for you, but you. Mm. And then shortly after that, my mom chimed in with, 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 I think it's time to find a quiet place and figure things out for yourself. Those are two pieces of guidance that they had shared with me for 15 or 20 years. And, but in that moment I was ready to receive the guidance. So wow. it's exactly what I did. I kind of just hunkered down, reset a little bit and started, you know, improving certain areas. I started learning. Um, I was addicted. Uh, I was emotionally and mentally just a mess. I, I would imagine you could say I was depressed. Mm -hmm. Back then, my relationships suffered. I had a wake of dead bodies behind me based on my actions and behavior, very careless and negligent. So I had a lot of digging out to do. <clears throat> and I tried a couple of different personal development programs, all of which were great, but I found that many of them were trying to like pigeonhole me into certain things that I wasn't interested in. Mm. Back then I wasn't interested in spirituality and like I would take these programs and they would really emphasize spirituality and you have to do these things. I'm like, wait, at this phase, you know, I, my spiritual area is not on fire. Like I need to make money. I need to fix relationships. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to overcome this addiction of mine. 
I need to stop blacking out four nights a week from alcohol. You know, like I had other things in my life that were on fire and those were urgent. So I found that these programs, these frameworks I was trying to install in my own life while they were really good. Like they didn't really meet me where I was at at the time. Mm. So I ended up building my own and I built my own framework, which is very customizable. It's very custom tailored. It really helps people to decide what's important for them and define what success looks like in their life, not mine or anyone else's. Mm -hmm. And as I began teaching this framework and coaching other people through as far as how to adopt it, how to implement it, how to set it up and customize it for them, uh, I realized that this is really no different than some of the foundational lessons I learned during my time in formal education. And that was a very hard pill for me to swallow because Mm -hmm. my whole life I've been saying, School is a waste of time. I never learned anything. I was going through the motions. I'd, you know, read a chapter, pass a test, regurgitate it, and forget that information. Then I got into the real world in my early 20s, and I was doing the same thing. I was like a C average student at best, and I was living a very C average life in my 20s once I got into the real world. Mm -hmm. And I identified with that C average mindset. Like that was my identity. That was who I was. I was a C average person. And that really affected some of my decisions in a very negative way. So I said, wow, these lessons in school, you know, my whole framework is really influenced by school. Mm -hmm. And some of those lessons that I had learned, learned, which is I hate credit, like I have to give credit where credit's due. School actually taught me some things. I missed them back then, but I see them now as far as how important those are to carry with you. And I titled the book, The School of Intentional Living, again, because, you know, I think the opening line is like that, that quote from Ivan Ilyich in that book, The Death of Ivan Ilyich, which is when he was in the final moments of his life, wondering if his whole life had been wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt in my late 20s when I felt like, you know, my whole world was coming apart at the seams. And I knew then that I never wanted to feel that way again. And I think that this framework now, I'm 10 years in. I'm a decade in and uh, very happy to say that I've had some very uh, fortunate and lucky transformations in all areas of my life. And uh, I'm kind of one of those people who wants to live life and have it all sort of a thing. Like I don't want to have a successful business at the expense of my family. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be with my family at the expense of, you know, my business and my finances. You know, I don't want to be yeah. homeless. Um, I don't want to have this and then realize that 20 years go by and I have a massive critical health issue that I can't Mm -hmm. overcome. Um, So I'm just kind of one of those people that wants to do the best I can with what I have and make sure that I'm not missing anything along the way that could, that could really hurt me and, 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 you know, where my future is going. Right. Yeah. I like that you brought that up because in the book, the subject areas you talk about, like relating to other areas of your life. Right. So when you said, you know, I don't want to have a successful business life, if that means sacrificing my family life. So you talk about how that relates to subjects in school. And I like how you break that down. Like, okay, we have English, we have math, we have science and then report cards. Right. And okay, you're doing good in this area, but you're failing this area. You're not really good in that area. So it's like, I like how you make that comparison because like you mentioned earlier, it is so relatable because, you know, you know, no matter what level of education you went to or you reached or achieved or whatever you people remember, it can have those moments of when you're like flashing back to being in school, sitting there, you know, getting your report card, like, Oh, do I? And then I remember for (laughs) me, like you would have to have your parents sign off 
on your report card. And I remember being younger and it's like, you know, like, okay, like, are they going to be happy with me, disappointed with me? What's going to happen? You know, are they going to take things away from me to punish me? And, you know, I really like how you, how you break that whole thing down related to intentionally living your life in areas of your life that happen outside of school, right? So business, family, relationships, friendships, and those different things, you know, and how you want to balance out all of that and really, you know, help people through how do you, how do you do that? You know, how do you do that? So, yeah. And I I think, yeah, I appreciate that. And that's the first chapter of the book. I mean, we Mm -hmm. start there. It's discovering what truly matters to you, not what matters to me, outside influences, religion, culture, society. It's you. That's what's important is what's relevant, what matters for you. Mm -hmm. And back in school, they gave us our targets to hit. They, They showed us what to pay attention to with those subject areas. We had six, seven, eight subject areas at any given time. We couldn't pass five of them and fail one. We wouldn't progress to the next grade. We couldn't just excel in one and flunk all the other five. We wouldn't move on. So in the real world, that's what I like in those subject areas too, is the areas of our lives, our life areas. And what's interesting is back in school, you had to be in like a constant state of balancing. Mm-hmm. So many of us talk about work-life balance like it's real. We talk about it like it's a destination. Like someday we will arrive there and have work-life life balance. What I've found is that it's a myth. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. And you think if it, it, that you'll get there, you'll arrive there. It's a destination. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. In school, you had to be in this constant state of balancing all of those different subjects. In the real world, it's no different. We have to be in a constant state of balancing the areas of our lives that matter the most, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, balancing like- to me is a verb. You know, balance yeah. is a verb. It's not necessarily a noun. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever anticipate having work-life balance. I, I think if you do experience it, it's a fleeting feeling, right? It, mm-hmm. it doesn't last long. So what's important to me is being in motion, balancing constantly. Like I was just teaching my... Uh, oldest son and my daughter how to ride bikes oh. over the summer. And it's an interesting thing. It's this law of momentum, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's a hard thing to understand, but you have to be in motion. You have to be balanced. You have to go forward, be in motion in order to actually achieve that balance. Mm. And it takes momentum, but you've got to be paying attention to you know everything around you. Uh, So that's why later on the book, I talk about majors, minors, and electives, regardless Mm -hmm. of your formal education experience. Many of us know that in college, college students declare their major, their minor. Well, they don't declare 12 majors because none of us have bandwidth for that. But here we are sitting at the beginning of the year and we're like, I have 25 goals this year. (laughs) (laughs) When everything's important, nothing's important. You know, Mm -hmm. it's so difficult because of our focus. It comes down to we can't spread our focus out too thin or else we just won't get the results that we're looking for. So I recommend that, you know, people declare their major for the year. Maybe they have a minor or two, some smaller goals, but then you still have all those electives, mm-hmm. all the other areas of your life where you don't declare goals in, where you don't set goals for Those are your electives. You're still responsible for those, mm-hmm. right? Like you have yeah. to keep those up. You have to maintain those. Because again, if you go all out in one area and you never talk to your partner, significant other, spouse, spouse, whoever it is, you know, for months at a time, like what's the net effect of that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, 
yeah. you got to pay attention to your electives too. For sure. And I, lo- I love the part of the book where you talk about GPA. You have this part where you talk about calculating the GPA of your life. So can you talk about how, how someone goes about doing this and what that GPA represents in terms of where they are in their life right now? I love that. Yeah. I almost titled the book, The GPA of Your Life. I didn't want to get academic. You know, part of me wanted to stay away from this concept of school because I think for many of us, especially if you're like me, you have like a negative association with it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the GPA of your life it's, life, it's neat. So after you identify the areas of your life that matter the most, let's use a very simple example, health, wealth, and relationships. Now in health, you might have spiritual, religious health. You might have mental, emotional health. You might have your physical. So there are sub areas that you need to define for yourself, but let's keep it simple. Keep it high level, health, wealth, relationships. Rather than score those areas. So, so calculating the GPA of your life is all about awareness. The great American psychologist, Abraham Maslow once said that what is necessary to change a person is to change his awareness of himself. Mm -hmm. So awareness is so powerful. The GPA kind of shows you this total accumulated grade point average overall of the holistic machine, not just one small area, but holistically, it gives you everything. Mm -hmm. So if the three areas that were important were health, wealth, and relationships, rather than say, oh, one through 10, one it's weak, 10 it's strong. I found myself many years ago going through that motion for too long. And I would put like a seven. Mm. And for me, seven out of 10 Paris is a win. It's a passing (laughs) grade, (laughs) you know? So I'd find myself like scoring these areas of my life as sevens. And then like months went by and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, that's not good enough anymore. I need to raise my standards. I'm now in my thirties. I'm in the afternoon. You know, I'm no longer in the morning of my life here. I'm in the afternoon of my life. The stakes are higher and I need to raise my standards. And a seven out of 10 I can't just sit on that nail any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a story of this gentleman and he's sitting on his porch and he has his dog next to him and the neighbor comes over and he's like, why is your dog whimpering? And the owner of the house says, well, he's sitting on a nail. And the neighbor says, well, why doesn't he get up and sit somewhere else? And the owner says, well, it just doesn't hurt him enough. Oh, you know, he, wow. He, he's just comfortable enough to just stay put. So that's what awareness will do, hopefully, is help you understand like, well, where am I comfortable? Where am I playing small? Where do I need to play a bigger game? So instead of grading one through 10, because I think that's not a very objective way to do it, you use letter grades, Mm -hmm. just like the letter grades you had back in school, right? So A through F. And once you do that, if it's health, wealth, relationships, let's say you have a C for your health and a B for your wealth and a C for your relationships, then you can basically assign point values. So an A is a four, right? Four mm-hmm. points. B is three points. C is two all the way. F is zero. Then you divide it by the total number of areas of life that you've identified and you get your GPA. So I run that for myself. I run that what I would call a progress report in my life every week. And some weeks I'm sitting at a 2.0, you know, C mm-hmm. average. Some weeks I'm below that. And then that's good awareness for me because it means I need to make some shifts that week. If I let that go on for too long, you know, that momentum is a powerful force regardless of its polarity. 
So if I'm going in the wrong direction for weeks or months or quarters or years at a time, it's going to take a lot of my time, focus, and energy to redirect that energy in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So I want always positive momentum as often as, as frequent as I can get. Yeah. Some weeks I have a higher GPA. Some weeks I'm, you know, hovering around a B average, (laughs) right? So the goal is not to get a 4.0 and be a straight A you know, student of life. That's mm-hmm. utopia. That won't exist. That's mm-hmm. probably never attainable. Mm-hmm. The goal is to just give yourself that frequent awareness yeah. week after week or month after month or whatever is frequent enough for you to help you understand, hey, I've got some issues. This area is sliding. And, and, and I don't know if you saw that there's resources that are free that come along with the book and I provide a tool. I call it the Life Areas Assessment and it's an Excel spreadsheet. It's real simple and you populate your areas, you plug in the date and when you put your grades in, if it's a C, you know, the, the little cell turns to yellow, yeah. if you're an F, it turns to red. So over time you get some really neat history and you get some really neat patterns and trends and you can think back and say, oh wow, look, you know, I'm, I'm turning this area around or hey, I'm really yeah. sliding and this area is declining and if I don't do something about that soon, it's going to be next summer and I'm going to have, you know, 25 pounds of belly weight you know, at the beach that I don't want, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So again, it's just an awareness tool. I love how you bring that up, the awareness component, because I feel like that's so powerful and bringing, and that actually leads me to the point of purpose. Cause I know that we talked a lot previously about purpose and you mentioned that a lot in the book as well. So in relation to that, we talked about that component. So you said something I really liked, which is this, you said, what is my purpose? But instead of focusing on that, you added right now, to the end of that statement, instead of, you know, what is my purpose? You said, what is my purpose right now? What does that do when you add right now to the end of that statement? Paris, you just blew the punchline. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So back in my late twenties, I was caught in what I now understand is called the existential vacuum as Viktor Frankl puts it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victor Frankl wrote Man's Search for Meaning, one of my favorite books. And I, I recognized the fact that my life was without a rudder. I was a little aimless and I didn't really know what I wanted in life. And it caused these emotions of, you know, dr- drift, drifting and, and I was lost and I'm not important and I don't matter. And just all these emotions that are, are it's, it's dangerous territory to have those emotions and to be in that place of that existential vacuum. So it's where your life is void of any meaning or any purpose. And then for many years, started to make some improvements, but I also felt like I was achieving things for achievement's sake. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know where it was all going. Like, where's the longer, bigger picture, bigger vision here? I'm making good progress, but where does this all lead to? Mm -hmm. And that got me a little bit um, into a funk where I would say, what is my purpose? And I was searching for it. And, you know, I think there's this misconception that like, Purpose is just going to, you're going to walk out the door and it's just going to hit you like a ton of bricks. (laughs) And for some people that happens, but as I sat back, I'm like, the people that that happens to, like, they really get hurt. They go through a struggle. They lose a loved one. They lose their arm. You know, like there are some crazy stories out there of people who have these massive purposes because they went through a serious uh, example of adversity, right? Mm -hmm. So I didn't really want, I don't want to sit back and not do anything. Like I don't want purpose to come find me. I want to be mobilized and and be paying attention 
to the to to whatever it is I'm paying attention to to the signals to the signs and I want to discover this on my own mm -hmm. I don't want to wait for it to find me so but I got stuck with this loop um, you know sometimes when we ask ourselves better questions we come up with better answers mm -hmm. and we're asking ourselves questions in our mind every day you know and I got stuck with this what is my purpose what is the meaning of my life what am I doing here and I discovered a really simple uh, fix for this, and that's to add those two simple words. So if, if you're stuck or anyone's stuck, and I still get stuck, like, well, what is my purpose? What is the meaning of my life? If you just add right now to the end of that sentence structure, and you ask yourself a little bit of a better question with a small shift at the end, I find that it helps me just, it helps me ground myself in the present moment. Mm. So like right now, what is my purpose? It's to be here with you mm -hmm. on this podcast. And same with you for me. Our, everything's shut down. We're focused. We're paying attention to one another. We're communicating, you know, exchanging information. This is our purpose right now mm -hmm. is to be present on this podcast. When we hang up, we have another purpose. It's probably to move on with the next priority of the day, whatever that might be. When I'm at home with my family after 5.30 and I'm having dinner with my family, what's my purpose is to be there with my family and to have purpose with them for that moment in time. You know, it's important for me to be physically present, but I think more importantly, mentally present because for many years I'd be with the fam, but my mind was somewhere mm -hmm. else, right? So that right now for me kind of grounds me in the present moment. And the more and more that I study spiritual teachings and, uh, you know, there's a book out there called The Power of Now. I think many of us are familiar with that by Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. You know, now is all we have. Like now is all we have. Like the past was just nows that have already taken place. The future are nows that haven't occurred yet. And the present moment is this gift that all of us have if we're living and breathing and our hearts yeah. are beating. This is all we have right now. And the more and more that you can pay attention and focus on the present moment, I find that it's like a compound effect. Mm -hmm. It just stacks and stacks and stacks. And if you can be here now today and you can do that, you know, throughout the day and into the evening, and then you can wake up and do the same thing. All of a sudden a week goes by and you just are in a different place. You're in a very positive, healthy place versus I don't know what just happened in the past week. All I've been thinking about and stressed about was worrying over the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Or I don't know what I've been thinking about, or, or uh, but I, this past week, because my head's been, you know, what am I doing for the holidays? How are we going to work all this out? Or my mind's been, what's happening post-election or 2021? Um, so it kind of robs you of that gift of the present moment when you let your mind race. So I got caught up for many years with what is my purpose. And I read probably hundreds of books Wow. on purpose and on intentional living. I mean, I've been obsessed with this topic now for a decade. And um, that's one of the neatest things I've yeah. found was to just ground it in the present moment with those two simple words. Yeah, I love how you bring it back to that, the, that aspect of grounded and being grounded. Because I feel like the, that point you mentioned right there is so many of us often are looking to you know, the future. What are we going to do right for the holidays or at this time in our life? And it's like, we're not really focusing on today. And, you know, when you mentioned that to me last time we spoke, I mean, I remember sitting there and I'm like taking notes, writing things down. I got off the phone with you and I sat there and I was like, 
what is my purpose? And I looked at that. And I'm like, right now. And I was like, you know what? You gave me the, you were the one who helped me set my purpose of setting the first draft completion of my book. So we can talk about that on your podcast. And I remember wow. you, you telling me, you told me, you know, your story of, you know, how you got to writing your book and how you struggled with, you know, the organizational aspect. How do I do this? And it's so funny because, you know, I feel like so many people have these moments of, you know, I want to do something like you want to write a book, you know, you have your thing right there. I want to do that. And, you know, working about thinking about what are you going to do now presently in this moment to get to that goal being completed. And, you know, I remember we, we were talking and you were like, this is what you're going to do. You're like, you're going to set a date set a date right now. And I remember I, I was sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, how am I going to do this? How is this going to work? How am I going to, cause I remember I, t- I was talking to him like, this is where my podcast came from is the book that I was working on. And then I turned it into the podcast, but I haven't done the book. So it's like, what's going on with that? And you, in our conversation, you really helping me with that, that present moment aspect, that grounded aspect of what are you going to do presently right now? Instead of, you know, what, like thinking about, Oh, you know, maybe, a month from now, a year from now, or whatever, whatever that is. And I just think that's so important. And I think that's so like such a good piece of advice for anyone with whatever you're working towards, whatever your goal is, whatever you want to accomplish or do or whatever it is, you know, to really understand the importance of this present moment, because the present moment we're in right now is what leads to the future moments that we're looking at and spending so much time just like what's going to happen. Don't, don't really know, but you know, it's cause it's so true. And, you know, I just wanted to thank you for that, you know, and bringing, bringing that up and really, you know, talking about that because that's, that's a huge thing that I think a lot of people, you know, need to hear. And it's really helpful because it, sh- it sure helped me. I mean, I can tell you that. So that's awesome. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that with me. I yeah. didn't realize that. So that obviously fills me up. So thank you. And uh, yeah, I loved our conversation. That was so fun. I, I, I'm just passionate about many things, but one of my big passions is working with purpose-driven people. I just, I, I, get, I get all filled up. I don't need the alarm <laughs> clock to wake up in the morning when I have, you know, engagements with people like you. So I appreciate you saying that and I'm very happy to hear about your book. Kudos. Yes, well, thank you. And I'm excited to chat with you in the future. And this was such a great conversation, Sean. And I just wanted to thank you once again for coming on making the time to have this talk with me and, you know, sharing your book, the school of intentional living and a little bit about it with everybody. So thank you again for that. Thank you for the opportunity, Paris. This is a lot of fun. Yes. Okay. All right. Bye guys. All right, guys, that is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed creating it. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to talk about becoming a guest or to share your thoughts on this episode with me, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email to crookedillness at gmail.com. You can send me a DM on Instagram at crookedillness, or you can message me on my Facebook page at crookedillness as well. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day and thank you so much for listening to Crooked Illness.